0: This is West Virginia Morning, I'm Teresa Wills. A veteran from the war in Ukraine was recently in West Virginia enjoying some downtime with a small Ukrainian community in Morgantown.
1: I knew I was to Morgantown, but I didn't expect like an evening like this, meeting with uh, fellow Ukrainians. My body's here, but my mind is still back in Ukraine fighting.
0: That story and more coming up this West Virginia morning. Support for West Virginia morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The correction system in West Virginia is a point of discussion at the legislature. Overcrowding and staffing at the top of the list. Last week for the legislature today, Randy Owey sat down with forensic psychologist Dr. David Clayman and Senate Jails and Prison Committee co-chair Senator Jason Barrett to talk about the diversion of certain persons from the criminal justice system.
2: Let's start out by talking about Senate Bill 232 that passed last year. And I'm just going to read right here. It called for creating a multidisciplinary study group to make recommendations regarding the diversion of persons with mental illness, developmental disabilities, cognitive disabilities, substance abuse problems and other disabilities from the criminal justice system. David, you're the chair of this study group, keeping people out of the criminal justice system. Talk about what your study group's goals are in this makeup.
3: We have an ongoing problem of one is revolving doors within the prison system and in the mental health system that people just keep coming back and people are in the four groups we're looking at are often put in prison or put in jail because we have no place else to put them. I'm using the word put too many times but that's what we talk about and on the surface it would seem to be simple. One is build a bigger hospital. Two is put some other facilities in the communities. But what we've we've learned now in the first year, and we just finished it, is that it goes deeper than that. Forensics touches so many different places depending upon where you're talking about it. So we have a six-stage model that we were used from other states, which is kind of – I didn't even know what it was when I started. And the first stage is an interesting one because it's a zero – contact with the court system or with criminal justice system so we are now with mental hygiene commissioners police magistrates everybody that is not part of the adjudicator the the prison system itself jails or, or prisons and we start there and then the last stage is when they get out of prison or out of jail what do we do to make they don't go back so diversion means coming up with ways to either prevent them from coming
2: in or prevent them from coming back senator barrett um, talk about overcrowding a little bit and what you see as some of the problems and solutions.
4: Sure. I appreciate the
5: question. appreciate the opportunity. Um, as you mentioned, I'm chair of the Jails and Prisons Committee uh, in the Senate. Uh, it's an interim committee. I serve as the co-chair along with uh, Delegate Kelly in the House, uh, and we've had um, Commissioner Marshall with De- uh, Department of Corrections uh, Rehabilitation in our committee uh, numerous times. And I think that you look at, at the drug problem that this state has—that is certainly a driving factor while we while we have so many people in our our facilities. Uh, but really, we've uh, you know called on Secretary or on Commissioner Marshall, and I think uh, he has done a good job of trying to improve conditions um, in our facilities even though we had this overcrowding problem and it's something that that Legislative Oversight Committee uh, is very mindful of and, and you know we ask the tough questions to ensure that that the folks are treated uh, properly uh, in our facilities but but I come back to the drug problem I think is is the largest driving factor as to why we have so much overcrowding. So I know
2: that you guys want you know you develop this committee this study group and you want to see them have something that comes to fruition to maybe divert people from having to go into the criminal justice system and finding an another direction dr. Klayman, there's a couple of places I mean your study group found that there's a number of community groups that are working fine that that, that have uh, rehabilitation treatment and so on and so forth but there's some problems there's some problems with technicalities data sharing uh, uh, connectivity and the big elephant in the room funding yes At, and
3: what we found is pockets of people that are doing wonderful things. Um, crisis intervention training or or critical incident training. Um, We have pockets, but they don't talk to each other, so we don't have a system in place right now. We have no community-based diversion programs for the acutely distressed, whether it be IDD or whatever else. We also don't have good definition of the populations we're addressing. That is a big deal. IDD wave, intellectual and developmental disabilities, can be autism. It can be a whole bunch of other things, head injuries, and so IDD is not just one thing. Neither is substance abuse. Neither are working with kids. So, so what we've looked at is what's working, what's transferable, what can we do to coalesce things? What special interest groups, police, judiciary, prosecutors, public defenders—they're all involved in this so that we address the civil rights of the individuals who are in our, our criminal justice system that really don't belong there probably by law but the public safety as well, so we've got two real driving forces to protect the community, but also consider the civil rights of the individuals who yeah. might have been violated.
2: Public safety is an important part of it, and, and Senator Barrett, I know Senator Stewart and in, in your committee brought up the fact of, of needing a balance. Let's try to divert as many as we can that maybe Aren't going to harm the public that don't need to be in jail or prison. On the other hand, we don't want to ma- let anybody out that would be a danger to the public. So there's a balance here, isn't it? There?
5: There's absolutely a balance, and I think that that's uh, an incredible point that, that was made by Senator Stewart. That you know we need to make sure that public safety is number one, uh, and then also that, as the doctor mentioned, um, that the that that the individual is protected and their civil rights are, are protected.
0: That was Senator Jason Barrett and Dr. David Clayman speaking with Randy Owey about diversion programs in the correction system. To hear the rest of that interview, visit our website at wvpublic.org. To catch the legislature today, tune in on radio and television Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 750. Becoming mostly sunny today, but increasing cloudiness in the north, highs in the 30s and 40s, mostly cloudy skies tonight, lows in the 20s, and mostly cloudy tomorrow with a chance of rain highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by Dutch Miller Subaru in Charleston. Dutch Miller Automotive is proud to be dedicated to multiple community service initiatives and local charities. More about our team and the Subaru Love Promise at DutchMillerSubaru.com. In February 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine, sparking a new wave of fighting in a conflict that stretches back at least a decade. As that fighting enters its third year, a a small community of Ukrainians formed around West Virginia University. They recently came together to honor one of the war's frontline veterans. Chris Schultz has the story.
4: On a recent Friday night, A small gathering of about five families got together in the community center of an apartment complex in Morgantown. Young women wear flower crowns with ribbons cascading off of them. Intermixed with English, you can also hear snippets of Ukrainian. The group has gathered to show their appreciation to Adia Benyuda, who recently arrived from the front lines in Ukraine. Originally from the UK, Benyuda moved to Israel in the 90s, where he served as a police officer until the outbreak of the war in Ukraine. Barring a visit to Israel at the outbreak of that country's war against Hamas, Ben Yuda has been on the front lines for almost two years and said it was time for a break.
1: They just invited me to come to Morgantown. I, I told them that I needed time to rest from the war, and they asked me to come over.
4: He says he appreciates the calm of West Virginia, although he was a little taken aback to find himself among Ukrainians so far from the front lines.
1: I knew I was coming to Morgantown, but I didn't expect like an evening like this, meeting with uh, fellow Ukrainians. It's a nice feeling that uh, you feel wanted, but being in the center of attention is is hard for me.
4: And my body's here, but my mind is still back in Ukraine fighting, so it's, it's hard for me. For Ukrainians living in Morgantown like Valeria Gritsenko, Benyuda is a glimpse into the military reality of the war.
6: I haven't heard directly military perspective, so um, this has been very um, useful to, for me to hear that the, the war is is going <laughs> okay. It's not it's not easy. It's very tough and it's very difficult, and there are still problems um, with weapon supplies. But uh, morale is high, and everyone is determined to win.
4: Gritsenko is an assistant professor of biomedical engineering at WVU. Almost all of the members of the small Ukrainian community were attracted to Morgantown by the university. Originally from the city of Kharkiv in northeastern Ukraine, near the Russian border, Gritsenko has lived in Morgantown for more than 10 years. She says she gets more of the civilian perspective on the conflict from her friends and family when she can.
6: They are getting tired of the war. I, I, I hear, especially in this sort of holiday season, when we last talked to our friends uh, um, in Ukraine, they just, their nerves are very <laughs> frazzled by all the sirens and bombings. And uh, they're just hoping that the war will end sooner rather than later. But they have no doubt that they will win.
4: Gritsenko's husband, Sergei Yakovenko, likened Benyuda to a medieval knight and said it was amazing to meet someone dedicated to defending his home country. Yakovenko hopes his work at the university with biomedical research into new prostheses will help recovery efforts. But he and others need the war to end first. Different types of prosthetics that would be um, able to communicate with the nervous system and prosthetic device and enable more really kind of intuitive control. It's a problem... Not only in Ukraine, but just as much of a problem for our veterans who don't have an adequate solution for for their disability. There is a growing frustration that international attention has lost focus on the Ukrainian conflict as it stretches into another year and new issues arise. Yakovenko's parents, Mikhail and Vera, relocated to Morgantown a few months after the war. He says their experience and his struggle to get them out of the country has left him dealing with post-traumatic stress.
7: It's difficult to resolve. It's it's something
4: that we will have to deal with, uh, with the whole nation of Ukrainians and people who were exposed to this war. Uh, But my parents managed to get out. With help from Kretzenko, Vera explains that despite the distance and being in the U.S. for almost two years, her thoughts and her life are still in Ukraine. (laughs) Here, we live our life in Ukraine vicariously through the Internet. We just keep watching for everything, all the events that are happening over there, especially in the holiday times. We saw that the 138 buildings were destroyed in the big last bombardment in Kharkiv, and we worry about all the people that are left without a roof over their head in winter. Mikhail adds that he finds it very hard to wait out the war and live with the constant pressure. I would really like it to be over sooner rather than later and ask the Americans who support Ukraine to continue supporting Ukraine, because Putin will not stop at Ukraine, and if he's allowed to win there, he'll just roll over other countries. Although not Ukrainian, Julia Kazajeva has integrated into the small local community. She was previously a journalist in Russia, but unwilling to support the war effort, she fled with her family in 2022.
7: I just met several people who helped me, and it was Opportunity opened right in Morgantown, but I really had uh, another opportunities to get to Washington, for example. But um, those moment, I wanted to have something peaceful and really quiet. And Morgantown is a blessed place we found.
4: Like Benyuta, Kazajeva is grateful for that peace, but she and the rest of this small community live with the daily reminders that their friends and family back in Ukraine and Russia live a very different reality. Their biggest concern is that if Ukraine falls, that will only be the beginning of a broader international conflict.
7: What I keep repeating to my friends over here, if we stop, provide weapons to Ukraine, Russian soldiers will go further. They will go to Lithuania, Poland, even Germany. I know Russian culture. I know how these people think from inside. They will not stop.
4: Benyuda plans to continue traveling before returning to fight in a few weeks. In February, it will be three years since Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine, and the group that came out to honor Benyuda are left wondering what will face him when he returns to the front lines, and what fate has in store for their homeland. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown.
0: West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yewe. Eric Douglas is our news director and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.